0: Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon, depending on where you are at in this fine land. And I am really excited um, to to bring in um, Ed Conley, who has written a book called uh, "Promote the, 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 the Pet Sitter," right? And it's kind of an interesting title. Uh, but it really goes into some some really interesting um, ideas, and I'm going to bring Ed. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'm going to bring Ed in here to, to talk about it and talk about more than just the, the book. Uh, but it really goes into you know what do we do as emergency managers? How do we forge facing like who who are we um, as a profession? And I really appreciate the book, and I really appreciate Ed. Ed, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Todd. Great to be here.
0: So, okay. First Of all, why, why that title? a uh...
1: yeah, so uh, promote, and if you don't mind, yeah, there's yeah, a, for sure. The cover shot it's a firefighter with a, a search dog at 9 11, promote the dog sitter. So, uh, that uh, you know, one of the, the overarching themes, um, uh, throughout the book is that, um, oftentimes people who rise to the occasion in crisis are those we underestimate, uh, uh those we've uh, overlooked. Uh, and those we, necessar- we didn't necessarily expect so much from. And uh, during 9-11, uh, uh, when we were in New York uh, supporting the, uh, the search and rescue efforts at Ground Zero, we were getting overwhelmed with requests from the public and the media for information on the search dogs. And more than 300 uh, search dogs were deployed to, uh, to New York after nine 11, which is the largest deployment of search dogs in, in American history. Anyway, we're getting overwhelmed with the request. So uh, we said, well, we need a, a one person to be the subject matter expert on the search dogs. And then uh, we were trying to figure out who that would be. There was a guy who had just arrived. His name was Doug Welty and he was on the phone and he was, um, arguing with, uh, a major, uh, uh, a news anchor by the name of uh, Larry King, who people <laughs> might recognize the name. And uh, Doug was telling Larry King that, uh, look, if you want two dogs and two uh, uh, handlers on your show, you're going to need to send two two cars to come pick them up here at the Javits Center. I can't put uh, the whole crew in one car. You're going to, two cars or we're not coming on your show. And uh, the, uh, the lead for the Joint Information Center said, Doug, now, who are you talking to again? And Doug said, Oh, Larry King. And the uh, Dick leads thought to himself, well, I think we got our guy. And then Doug stepped up with that uh, opportunity to help uh, promote the, the search dogs. Uh, He did a beautiful job. He never slept. Uh, If we had been staffing the event before, you know, I was joking with someone the other day, Doug might've been a seventh round uh, draft choice for our staff team. He was missed. He might've been the, uh, Rock Purdy equivalent of Mr. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he had this moment and he stepped up and he made a, con- a huge contribution, not only to the nine 11 event, but he really helped establish worldwide recognition and credibility for the urban suit and rescue task forces and for the role of canine units. And as a matter of fact, the American Count club, uh, has said that, uh, 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 as a result of Doug's efforts, it really advanced the use of therapy dogs at schools, hospitals, and nursing homes. And then when you look at the, the incredible contribution the, uh, the National Urban Search and Rescue Task Forces have made, uh, not only in the U.S., but around the world since 9-11, saving thousands of lives, being not only a, a national or an international resource, but strengthening the ability to help rescue uh, people in their local communities um, and a lot of that is just, um, a tribute to, uh, to Doug and, uh, one person and one event, um, very much unexpected, very much overlooked before the event, just right. Given this opportunity of rising the occasion. And, and that's a theme that sort of resonates and repeats itself, uh, throughout the book. When I looked at, um, at trying to identify principles and lessons that I could share with, uh, with the new generation of emergency managers. And that lesson is that uh, um, you never know who's going to step up. Um, And oftentimes um, it's someone who you you don't necessarily expect, uh, but if you give them an opportunity and they're willing and brave enough to accept that opportunity, uh, remarkable and incredible things can happen. And so when I was searching for a title for the book, I just thought that promote the dog sitter, which is what we called that assignment decision in 9-11, uh, made sense for the title and kind of captured one of the key themes for the book.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. I had a, a student um, and she, she actually worked for, uh, as a female dog, dog handler um, for, for many years. And she actually wrote a book or not a book, a paper uh, for us on the idea of should we be using uh, live animals um, versus um, uh, robots, right? To go do search and rescue on the on the pile. And, you know, one of the, and the, the conclusions, I'll, I'll let her, you know, she's going to publish the paper, so I don't want to ruin it too much for her. Uh, but the conclusions are a little bit different than you'd think. Um, but one of the things that we had a discussion, her and I did, about is the um emotional um, help that the dogs give the rescuers, even if they 're not petting the dog even if they're not you know involved with the dog directly but seeing seeing the animal um, on the on the pile uh gives a, an emotional boost to people and, and i think that's a, I think that's a, a critical idea behind you know why they're important, not just for stiffing out uh, and saving lives but also for promoting and helping um um, people's morale on on the pile. I want to talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, I think you're I think you're absolutely right, uh, Todd. And uh, you know, it's interesting you say that because uh, you know the, the the FEMA dogs specifically, you know, didn't didn't uh, rescue anyone from the pile. The last uh, um, successful uh, rescue was, um, I think. Wednesday, the, the day after the attacks, around uh, 1 p.m. Um, and so there were no successful rescues at the pile uh, by the FEMA search dogs. But um, we've, got, we've just gotten so much feedback over the years that, uh, you know, the dogs really, really did three things. First of all, as you mentioned, uh, the emotional support they provide. And I, there's a beautiful quote. Um, from someone out of New York um, that worked closely with the event. And they said, true, uh, the, the FEMA search dogs didn't rescue anyone from the pile, but I think they somewhat rescued and saved the people who were searching for people in the pile. Um, it, the other thing I think they did is, you know, if you remember back down in such a it was almost an incomprehensible event. It was so terrifying, so nude, so confusing and chaotic And in some sense, I think the dogs gave people, you know, something to connect with, with the event. There was just an emotional reaction and a comforting factor and something that provided a little bit of order to that chaos and something that was recognizable that people can connect with around the world. And I I think that's why there was so much interest in them. People just, you see, these dogs were just so focused on a mission. It was such a beautiful thing. And they were there. Um, and I think that was uh, another contribution they made. And then the third one is, is just, uh, that interest in the, in the dogs in nine 11 and the effort they did, um, I think really opened up the door for people to explore more uses for, um, uh, not only search dogs, but also, uh, therapy dogs, mm. you know, schools, hospitals, and nursing homes and everything else. And I've heard people credit the publicity and the intra- public interest in the search dogs at 9-11 with really advancing the use of uh, therapy dogs in all sorts of different formats. And uh, so even though they didn't necessarily save, they've saved a lot of people since 9-11, but they didn't save anyone uh, on the pile, unfortunately. But they, they had just tremendous impact and influence on, um, and they've made such a contribution in other ways since.
0: You know, I think about this back in, you know, back in the day. Well, actually, it's kind of funny. I, I got to tell a funny story. My daughter yesterday, my daughter's 10. And uh, she asked me, she goes, when people say back in the day, what do they mean by that? Like, well, uh, <laughs> I guess uh, it yeah, depends on your in That is a good question. <laughs> so, um, but I remember, like, in the in – the, you know, I, I was born in 1970 so I can only go from what my experience has been. Um you know in the 70s and, and even in the 80s you know fire firehouses had you know a lot, a lot of them had dogs right they had the the or cats too some of them but they had a pet in, inside the inside the building and uh I remember when <clears throat> excuse me when the fire departments um stopped allowing to have uh firehouse pets that so was kind of a sad day but thinking about that 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 may have been you know, maybe that that therapy dog, without even knowing we had therapy dogs. You know, mm-hmm. you run a bad call, you come home, you know, back to this fire station, and and you got the dog there that he was uh, who's greeting you at the door. You know, to be happy that uh, that you guys are back home, and you sit there and you pet pet them, and until you you know get to go to bed. But you you know that's that's an interesting take. I I, I just thought about that right now of of maybe that was really the the, the good use of, of those firehouse pets. Um, you know, do you think we should start doing that again? Then, I the do. Of, yeah, yeah. I
1: do. yeah. And, you know, until you mentioned it, I didn't realize that there had been um, a decision within within that service uh, to not allow pets. Um, and I and I was born. I'm I'm way older than Utah. I was born 1960, but I remember growing up and seeing the Dalmatian on the fire truck and everything else. And uh,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, and it it just it always it just an image I can still picture today even as we talk about it so yeah i agree with you i i think that um i in just having worked on 11 and i remember they would bring over a pier 92 and pier 91 where where you know city was at one pier and we were uh, federal government and the state had set up our operations at another pier they would bring occasionally bring some of the search dogs through and um walk through the different sections and everything and I don't know. It just, I think it meant a lot to people. It made a difference and it's, it's hard to, you know, put your finger on it and, and really define what it meant. But, um, I think uh, dogs are wonderful and uh, I'd like to see them back at the firehouses.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. You know, my, uh, my, my son, his high school, um, was a private, private school. And they had a, uh, a therapy dog that would walk around, you know, uh, and so much so that they put him in the yearbook. They put the the dog's pictures in the. So if you open up the yearbook, you, you know Marty, the 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 therapy dog, is is his pictures that are right there with all the other seniors. And I thought that was kind of a cool cool thing that they that they did with him. But yeah, I mean, I, and all the kids, you know, especially during like like finals and all these stressful times when the, you know the kids are going through having that having Marty the dog walk around and and uh you know you can pet them and even as a parent you know we'd go there parent teachers night and stuff and um you know the the dog would be there and he'd come over and you everybody wanted to pet mart you know he's a very popular handsome young man as a, a golden retriever you know um and uh, I, I think that's great you know i think we should do more of that i know people have you know some people get upset because of of you know dog allergies or or, or whatever and I, I i get that but you know for the most part i don't think uh uh, dog allergies ever killed anybody? It Maybe itchy, but you know we could get hypoallergenic dogs and things like this that would work. But I really do believe that the pets, um, um, dogs specifically, uh, really are, are there and, and and allow you to have that the unconditional. They they're the most amazing animals. The unconditional love that they, they give anybody who who mm-hmm. comes to them, you know. And and so that's. I think you're right. I think we need to put them back in the fire stations. The police stations too, for that matter. There you go. so what was the process of writing the book so you decided you know one day you woke up and you said okay i want to write a book
1: yeah i've you know i always had in the back of the mind uh, like many many people todd um that someday i would like to write a book and um i it and i was very i was really good when i worked for fema um you know, I'd always been uh, interested in leadership concepts and leadership principles. Um, uh, I have met so many people that had like, uh, and you, I'm sure you have throughout your career too, um, including in, in the Navy, people who had like a personal motto, a saying, and um, I'd always just write those down. I was just, I was just so, I was just interested in them, fascinated with them, whenever. When I watched movies, when I read uh, biographies, when I read historical fiction, and I saw people deal with challenges, uh, dilemmas, I was always in, you know, what, were, what what did they have inside themselves? What sort of core beliefs, a foundational set of principles that, you know, that they would bounce these challenges off with and come up with it with an answer in, in, in a way to make decisions? So i always sort of been fascinated that and throughout my ke- career, I sort of, I took notes people who who seem to just have a set of core beliefs that would help carry them through really tough circumstances um, and then when I when I retired from FEMA in 2016 uh, I got serious about it and uh, but I I struggled for years and years I wrote page after page after page it, but I really struggled with the organization and the structure and then uh, finally I got hooked up w- with a, a publishing firm and they helped me uh, really organize myself in the outline. And, and from there we got it done, but it was just sort of a, something I always run to do. I just, um, I felt I'd, I'd really been fortunate to, to observe and learn so much during my career to participate in so many important events. I'd met such incredible people and I wanted to share some stories about them. And and I know how much, uh, I struggled, uh, early in my career, well, for a long time, in my career, um, with all sorts of different ch- challenges and dilemmas and trying to figure out who to be loyal to and how to de- deal with the political aspects of our, of, uh, emergency management, um, that I thought that, uh, maybe I, I might have something to share with the new gener- generation and, uh, and I was excited about that. So I, once I figured out my organization, my structure and a way to present the book, then uh, and I figured out who I was writing to, then it, it all started to come together.
0: So you talk about the new generation of emergency managers, you know, and, and I, I, I too have talked about the idea that, you know, we're here to now uh, promote and help the new leaders come up. And um, I've, I've worked with a lot of uh, younger emergency managers now and, and helping them through, through leadership. <clears throat> um, what do you say to them today? Like, what do you say to the person who's just graduated from college who's decide they want to get into the field of emergency management? Well,
1: I say, I say a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I, I think it's a wonderful career. I, I think there is such um, uh, an opportunity to, to when you work in this business to make a difference, to, to be part of history, to be a participant in different events and and to really, you know, make a long-lasting contribution sometimes that uh, you don't even realize you're making it. Um, So that's the first thing. I I think it's a wonderful career, incredibly rewarding. You make terrific friends. You build long-term relationships with people. Uh, You're really part of something special. You're part of history. You're part of uh, communities dealing with really terrific, uh, horrendous events, but coming back from them. So that's the first thing I um, I'm a strong supporter. I think it's a wonderful career and I love it when people are interested in it. The other thing uh, I'm candid and honest about is there are challenges. You know, it's, it can be a real uh, difficult career, um, uh, you know, especially when you have a family or or you have children, um, it's an all consuming job. And so you have to anticipate that you have to learn to balance that you have to stay strong in both your personal life and your professional life to to do well. And that's a challenge. And so I, I'm candid and honest about some of the stresses on that. Um, and, and maybe it's ways to get through it. Um, and then the third, the, the third thing is, I just think um, in, in terms of career opportunity that for bad reasons and good reasons, our, our industry, Todd, is really growing. I mean, there's just, you have, a, you know, the consequences of climate change are still uh, trying, we're trying to figure that out. You have the rise in uh, violent extremism. Uh, terrorism hasn't gone away you have huge population growth in the high risk areas in the, in the wildfire, uh, wildfire interface uh, along the coastal areas. Um, so disasters aren't going away and they there seem to be increasing in, um, in frequency, definitely increasing in terms of the consequences of the impact on people and communities. Uh, so it's a, uh, It's going to be a business that really requires and demands people, but it's also, I think, you need to look at it as a a business and industry career job where you're going to have a lot of opportunities to really make a difference. Uh, And not only on the response side, but on the mitigation side, preparedness side, where we're reducing the consequences. So that's kind of the three things I tell people uh, interested in, in going in
0: you know we before when <clears throat> we're in the green room we're kind of discussing you know some things and us talking about the my friend who's a rusty lutz <laughs> who's a uh who works in construction and building bridges um and you know I, I envy him a little bit because i was saying hey you know rusty you know you you have these bridges that you've built across the country you know and, and roadways and things um And people, you know, for generations will be seeing these as these monuments, right? Whether whether they know it or not, right? Um, What are the bridges that, and what are the, you know, the Hoover dams, if you will, that emergency managers um, have built?
1: And you and I were talking, Todd, and you you mentioned something that I hadn't really thought about uh, too much, but you know, definitely the programs that you participate in uh, and help build and strengthen. Uh, can be your legacy, can be your monument, can be your, your, your Hoover dam. Um, and, you know, there's people who, who help contribute, develop and contribute to, to NIMS, National Instant Management System, the uh, ICS, um, CERT. And, uh, you know, early on in my career, I got involved with uh, what's known as the external affairs concept. And, and one of the things I'm really proud of, I've, I tried to help frame external affairs as as not just a PR element or trying to get good press for the agency or the organization, but as an operational resource to provide emergency information, life-saving, life-sustaining information to people in a way that's uh, in concert with the rest of the operation and is managed like an operational resource. So I think that's that. That's that's one area where we have sort of our lot. Law- Legacy, our monument, you know, and we can look back at our career. And yeah, hey, I was in, I was involved at the foundation and grassroots level with that with that program, with CERT, or maybe it's the National Urban Search and Rescue System, or External Affairs, or whatever. Um, you're not going to recognize it and realize it at the time, but then all of a sudden you're you're in this business, you know, a couple of decades, and you're looking back and you're saying, and people are speaking words that you helped write, and right. and, and it's there, it's really there. And then, you know, the second one, and this is um, this is huge for me, Todd. But it's the relationships. It really is. It's it's these long term positive relationships that you that you develop in in the middle of a crisis, and and it's amazing. I was just talking to um, uh, Mayor Pat Owens. Uh, yesterday, she was the mayor of Grand Forks, North Dakota, that flooded 1997. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked occasionally. Um, you know, gosh, that was 1997. And I'm still very close with her. And we were we were talking yesterday and just reminiscing about the her flood, and the recovery. And um, it, she was the leader. And the things that she put in place, her principles, and trying to get through that, and uh, bring everyone together, and set priorities, and everything else, and you know, here it is, all these years later, and, and she and I are just just still really tight, and it's just a it's just a really meaningful friendship for me, and um, um you 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 form those in the midst of crisis, you have them over. Years and years, and you see, you meet these people who just do incredible things. Um, um, for their 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 family, their city, their community, their tribe, their state. Um, you're part of that. You're with them, and if you're paying attention, maybe you can pull a little bit of that that good that they do and uh, those ideas they have, and you take them and 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 you can use them, and they become part of who you are as well and you have a chance to carry those on to different communities. So it, that, that's the second thing for me is those relationships. I mean, I, I really think that's a beautiful thing about our industry and being part of it. Um, you really do, uh, make incredible friends and contacts, um, that you just treasure.
0: You know, one, one of the things <clears throat> I think is kind of new. So first of all, there's a, I went to, I was in the executive Academy, um, with uh, Sarah and she's from that area and she became an emergency manager because of that event. Uh, so it's kind of, and, and the impact that she saw of what, what emergency managers were, were doing um, for her community. I think that's, that's kind of a great story uh, to to tie into that. Um, I always, I'm always honored and humbled when I have somebody who comes to me, calls, gets in contact with me and tells them that they're getting involved in emergency management because of what they've learned through Conversations like this on 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 this show, and uh, it, it's always it's always like wow it's kind of, it's kind of cool that we we get to influence younger generations to go into the field of emergency management. And uh, I, I I do highly recommend this job. I think it's the best job I've ever held uh, as an emergency manager. Well, uh, you know, uh, now that I'm I teach, uh, I I love teaching. I love doing what I do, but. Uh, Getting people involved in emergency management, I think, is a, is a secondary uh, love of mine as well. Um, so, so anybody out there is thinking about it, this is definitely the, the career I, I highly recommend you investigating and getting involved in. Um, you know, you you're let's let's talk about your book again, and then I want to promote you a little bit. We're coming here close to the end. So, um, how how can people find how can people find your your book?
1: So my books, Todd. Uh, my books available on on uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and to all the online uh, book retailers. And so you can just type in the title, which is "Promote the Dog Sitter and Other Principles uh, for Leading During Disasters." And I used my full full name because it made my mom happy, Edward L. <laughs> Conley and uh so you can uh you can just do a quick search at amazon or some people prefer barnes and noble so it's available for all the online retailers and, <laughs> and i hope easy to find
0: yeah and you can also go down and here's the you know his website right oh, there. It's also there you the go show notes right Thank um, you, yeah and you can uh uh check And you do more than just the book you 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 do some uh coaching and some speaking and, and some other things so if people want to get a hold of Uh, of Ed here and, and uh, get him over to uh, speak at your event or or whatnot. Last question. I know we got a couple more seconds here. Um, You, you, you know, you say you do some coaching, you and I talked about the the, the fact of coaching. What, why is it important for um, emergency managers um, to coach the next generation?
1: You know, there's so much turnover in our business, Todd. And and when I looked at the statistics of um, gosh, the, you know, the, what is it? 60 to 65 percent of our industry is already past 40, um, and especially when you look at the, the at the federal side, people at FEMA, CD, uh, CDC. I think we're going to have a monumental generational shift in terms of turnover over the next couple of years, um, and we just can't let the, a whole new generation of people come in without having access to this incredible level of experience and uh, insights. And uh, that everyone now has achieved uh, after a couple of decades of, you know, everything from huge terrorism events to historic hurricanes and, uh, and a pandemic. You know, I think first, uh, you know, the outgoing generation has, has an obligation, responsibility to share that. I think the incoming generation has um, an opportunity and obligation to ask for those insights before there's a turnover. So, you know, I just think that coaching and sharing that wisdom is, is just vital to our industry. Uh, there's a lot you can – I love the Emergency Management Institute. I love the training that uh, that you do at the, at the local and the state level and within the private sector. I think that the doctrine uh, we have, the frameworks that we've written and established are valuable. Uh, but I think there's another um, – Uh, a thing we need to do. And that is, uh, make sure we're sharing the wisdom and and sharing the ideas and the experiences, uh, with the people coming in. That's just huge. And, uh, and I want both sides to step up and take advantage of that opportunity. Um, Because once people are gone, they're gone. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you, there's so much uh, we can learn and there's so much the outgoing generation can share that, uh, I hope we don't miss that mark.
0: I agree with you. I agree with you, cordially. Well, Ed, um, thank you so much for for spending time with me this morning. And uh, well, we'll be right back to you, but hey, hang on a second. And uh, okay,
1: Todd, thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Hey, everybody, thank you so much for spending time with me today. You know, and and Ed, it's it's such a great uh, pleasure for for me to share. You know, everybody's accomplishments and, and things that are going on, please check out his book. You know, uh, I highly recommend it. I got to read it and uh, it's a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful read. And yeah, I think you can pull a lot out of it. So everybody, thank you so much for, for spending time with us. Again, if you also check out the Emergency Manager Network um, at Substack, It's EMN, it's the Network at Substack.com, where we can have there's a bunch of other articles being written there regarding emergency management you can also always check us uh, at poddevo.com and as well so until next time everybody please stay safe and stay hydrated